is my wife Mary. Fifty years we've been together. And, uh, but she disappointed me today. You handed out those little uh, tickets, and the, the winning ticket will get one of my books. She did not want a ticket. Oh, my goodness. She did not want a ticket. The fact that my books are in stacks around the house may make up for that. But <coughs> and I'm sure I'll explain uh, anything she wants, and, and she's already heard it. So uh, anyway, but we are very glad to be here. I hope I'm not one of those missteps. You know, we've had missteps all week, and now here's Brother Brown. I hope I'm not one of those. It's uh, good to be with you today, to greet one another with a holy wave. And uh, <laughs> it, it, is, it is so funny. This virus is, is so strange. I've never experienced anything like this, and none of us have, um, where, where people will wear a mask when they're walking down the street by themselves or in a car by themselves. I thought... Okay, well, um, everybody can do what they want, I suppose. Um, I do have some, some books back there. One thing this um, virus has done, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a, of a chapel that meets in, uh, called Polo Park uh, Retirement Center, and it's been closed down. I, I'm one of the youngest people there. I'll be 72 in a couple of days. I'm, we were, we're one of the youngest people there. So when this virus started around, they closed everything down. But I have been uh, posting on Saturday morning on Facebook a devotional, um, maybe 10 minutes long, on, on video. And then on Sunday morning, I post a regular message, probably 20 minutes long, and uh, hopefully just keeping my toe in the pastoral waters there. And it's interesting, some of the remarks that I get. I had a guy from India write me an email, said he saw my, my uh, video and several people from Indiana, and uh, it, it's just surprising when the word of God goes out, who will see it? You know, a light does not know who sees it. It just shines. And the Lord is in the soul-saving business, and God will take our witness, our testimony. Uh, I used to work at Walt Disney World for six years, and I, I was real unhappy that I wasn't in the ministry till I realized I was in the ministry more working at Disney than I had been when I was at a college. <clears throat> For one thing, just sitting in the break room or ha having a meal there when I'd bow my head and, and thank the Lord for the food, and I'd open my eyes, people had been looking at me and they'd turn away. But they were looking at me praying, and you don't know how the light shines. Well, we are in the book of Revelation today in chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. Before the Second World War, the country was recovering from a depression. Most folks rented, and the wealthy people owned homes. People got by, but they were just getting by. World War II brought great changes. Men went off to the war, and a lot of women went to the factories to work to help the nation, and, and it was needed. That's when Rosie the Riveter got her name, as she was supporting the, the cause. After the war, the men came home, but a lot of the women did not go back home. They stayed and worked, and now you have a two-income family. Technology began to really soar. The, the radios changed to televisions, and the televisions went to color. When I left home and went to college, my parents got a color television. 
when my brother left home, who was the last one to leave, they moved. They did tell us where they went, but they moved. Now, my father used to talk about someone getting so wealthy they owned two cars. They were a two-car family. Yeah. And Dad, uh, I've heard him talk about someone who had a two-car garage. Dad said that the American dream was that a guy could own his own home. Things have changed since then. I remember being with my mother when the first class postage went from Hungary. In 1960s, gasoline was, what, 39 cents a gallon? I bought it once for 25 cents when they were having a price war. So, so where's all this going? Well, I don't know, and I don't know if there's anything immoral or illegal about just prosperity. Uh, when I was, you know, you, you have, it, to me it's not hot in here, but I remember when no churches had air conditioning. No cars had air. You had to have a Cadillac to have air conditioning. I didn't even know anybody who had an air-conditioned house. And now you couldn't sell a car if it didn't have air conditioning. I wouldn't buy it for sure. Well, th 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 things are changing, and I wonder how how long, how far can this go? Uh, when when our children, when the young people here are 40 and 50 and 60 years old, will gasoline cost $20 a gallon? You know, how, how far is all this going to go? And, and I don't know. But the book of Revelation has some interesting things. The, the governments are kingdoms, not democracies, not republics. Right now, there, there's a push, I suppose, because of America and England and, and France and all. There's a push that, that everybody has a right, has rights. And, and that, that you can't tell anybody what to do. But the book of Revelation has kings. And people, something happens that causes us to throw off the idea that I am the government to protect me. We need a king to tell us what to do. Things were going along very well. A lot of prosperity. Everybody you know, relatively happy. Until a little virus came along. And lots of people started getting sick. And some people started dying. And, and that's an awful thing. But all of a sudden, the government tells you to stay home, and we all do, and close businesses and restaurants and other essential things like liquor stores. Anyway, and, and all of a sudden, we become dependent on the government. And, and how quickly we can change from being a, I have my own rights to government, tell me what to do. And we we. We sit at our homes like little birdies with our mouth open, waiting for the government to put food in our mouths. How quickly things can change. Now, where's all this virus going to go? I don't know. I talked to a nurse who told me about the, the outfit she has to wear to work in the hospital, and I'm sure she does. And I said, when do you think this is going to end? And she said, I can't even think about it. And, and I, I don't want to imagine where is it going to go. I don't know. But in Revelation, <coughs> the, the, the next thing on the prophetic calendar that I can see is the rapture of the church. The Lord will come. Jesus did not know when it was going to happen, so I sure can't give you a guess. I hope it's today. hope it's before the end of the service. The Lord can come. And, and that's a, a time known only to the Father. And then after that, there are some changes that happen in the earth. The book of Daniel chapter 9 talks about 
the end times. It talks about the tribulation time, which is a, <coughs> excuse me, a seven-year period. And then we have the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is a, a, a revealing of Jesus Christ. It, it is his coming in power. And the, 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 the opening chapters talk about the, the seven churches and the judgment on those churches and the rewards that are offered. Boy, if you have not read chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, read those and look at the blessings that God gives. That to him that overcomes, I will give this. Beautiful study. Um, then we get to chapter 6. And the, the, the judgment of the earth begins. The, there are seven seals. The first six are like preparations. That's what we're going to look at briefly today. And then the seventh seal, when it opens... It's not just one thing, it's seven trumpets. <clears throat> and that happens in the midpoint of the, of the seven years of tribulation. And so those seven trumpets are blown and serious things happen on the earth. Difficulties. You could make a movie out of some of those trumpets and it would be a sci-fi movie, maybe R-rated. And then the seventh trumpet sounds and you have seven bowls of wrath that are poured out upon the earth, and those just are terrifying. So we're looking at the six seals. And I saw when the, the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the voice of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. I saw, and behold, a white horse, and him that sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering, and to conquer. This is, a, this is kind of a animation. It's like a, a cartoon. This is, if, if, if you were there during that time, you would not see a white horse ride by. So this, this is a, a, a cartoon that he shows John and that each of, those, each of these colored horses and what they represent talk about what's happening on the earth, if that makes any sense. So we find that when this first seal opens, this is a great movement for unification. Again, the church is gone. Uh, the, the fundamental Bible preaching churches and the saved people are gone and now there's a reaction to this. There's the rise of the one world church. There is a, a, a rise of a need and a desire for a strong central government. This yes please the, this horse comes by and all of a sudden there's this push. This guy has a bow but he doesn't have arrows with him. Thank you. He doesn't have arrows with him, so this is like a peaceful takeover. I should have asked for this before the thing started. There's a crown, so this, this, this strong central government has power and authority to rule. He is conquering and to conquer. So that everybody thinks it's kind of a good idea to, to rule the earth. And so that he begins to take over kingdoms. Later on in Revelation, it talks about uh, different heads and different things. So, so there's all nations are beginning to come together. Good idea, sort of. We get to the second seal. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth that they should kill one another. There was given unto him a great sword. What about the peace thing? Didn't work. The devil doesn't bring peace. 
when the Spirit of God leaves, when he stops his intercession in our lives, the lust of the flesh take over. And that's very selfish. The opposite of love is not hate. You can love somebody and be pretty angry with them. But the opposite of love is selfishness. And so we find that peace is taken from the earth. We live in a nice neighborhood there in Davenport. We live on a cul-de-sac, and the neighbors are friendly to each other. We're not close, but we're friendly. You can walk down the street, and they'll say hello. And uh, there's, there's, if there's any crime out there, I don't know anything about it. It's a very nice, peaceful place. Not so when this happens. Not so. Peace is taken from the earth. You'd have to have vigilantes. And now they're talking about defunding the police force. <coughs> are you... And that's supposed to help? Anyway. So, so the peace will be taken from the earth and violence will begin to cover. And those who, submit, who do not submit will face violence. The third seal is the black horse in verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. <clears throat> and I beheld and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. See, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. <coughs> I'm not sure we can quite understand what's going on in this. If back in the Bible uh, it, it would have said, The day will come when your hard drives will crash and your computers will no longer compute. People, even when my parents were young, they would read that and go, what? What's a hard drive? What, what is a computer? That just wasn't invented. So I assume that these things, <coughs> a measure of wheat for a penny, a penny was what you could earn for a whole day's wage. It's not like our pennies. Jesus told a parable about people working and getting a penny, and they were quite happy to do it. So this is a full day's wage, and you got a measure of wheat or a couple measures of barley, and that may be just what you needed to live that day. Maybe like a thing of oatmeal. It's just what you needed to live. And if you had a family and you had children, you didn't get to eat very much. So things got real tight. What better way for a government to force people to, to, to yield to their control as to cause a famine? Now, I think this is a man-made famine because the wealthy don't hurt the oil and the wine, don't hurt the, 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 the nice things of life, so the wealthy live very well, but the majority of people do not. And so this is a way to cause people to, to, to come, to, to cry out for the government, please help us. Then you have a pale horse, verses 7 and 8. Now this word pale actually is, means green. Uh, when the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000, the people sat down on the green grass. The word green there is the same word pale here. Evidently kind of a, a, a green, light green color. When he had opened the fourth seal, I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. Power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger, with death and with the beasts of the earth. A fourth part of the earth. wonder what that will be. North America? 
South America, part of Africa, part of China, part of Russia, part of who knows where, the fourth of the earth with the sword, that is armies and war, with hunger. Again, you have this hunger thing. Often in wartime, there's a great deal of famine. And death, that's probably disease and beasts. Hmm. Today, beasts have a natural fear of man. Mary and I go out to the Barbie Ranch um, near Lakeland, and it's a, it's a game preserve, and there's lots of trails, and it's nice walking. But there's also alligators out there. And I, we have walked from, from, from you guys to myself from an eight, nine, ten foot alligator asleep on the bank. We're, we're nuts. We're, we're, just, we're from Indiana. We should know better. <laughs> And recently, I remember reading, uh, probably on the internet, where I think it was in one of the Carolinas, where a woman, woman walks up and touches an alligator. He killed her. Yeah, why would you touch an alligator? Um, and recently, we went to uh, Yellowstone National Park to celebrate our 50th anniversary. And there were all kinds of signs about how you know, social distancing from the, from the buffaloes, <coughs> which is a long way. But I saw, uh, I saw a young woman stand within 15 feet of a buffalo, and the buffalo just ignored her and walked by. But after we got back home on the Internet news, uh, one woman got close enough, and he hit her. They're wild animals. And, but normally, they just ignore people. We were driving by, and a, and a buffalo was, so, was walking parallel to where I was. I was going real slow, and, and I could have reached out and touched him. I did not. I kept my social distance from the buffalo. <coughs> but the day will come when the beast of the earth will no longer be afraid. Instead of going out hunting, they will hunt you. And there'll be lots of people killed. And so when this horse, you, you see this, this thinning of society and the people that were left will then reach out and cry out for the government to take care of them. I think I've mentioned maybe the, the fact that there will be a one world church. Later chapters in Revelation talk about this one world church and how it's very strong. And halfway through, um, the leader who becomes known as the Antichrist takes over and they kill the one world church. But this, this is a, a difficult time that's building up. Verses 9 to 11 talk about martyrs for Christ. He opened the fifth seal, and I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given to every one of them. It was said to them they should rest for yet a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled." Well, if everyone who is saved leaves the earth at the, the uh, rapture of the church, how do these people get saved? Later on in Revelation, it talks about two witnesses that come. Where who they are and how they get here, we are not told, <clears throat> but here they are. And they begin to preach, and, and they, they are anointed of God. They can do miracles like Elijah used to be able to do. And so for three and a half years, they preach, and lots of people get saved. 
it says, I saw a multitude that no man could number. And they had come through the tribulation and received the Lord as their Savior. The gospel still works regardless of what the government does. You may or may not like what our government's doing. And, and I fear for this coming election. I really do. <coughs> but no matter how it turns out, we are citizens of heaven. Amen. We're here for a while. Now, we should pray for our government. We should support it. You, certainly, you should vote and, and all those kind of citizenship kind of things. But we're, we're only guests here. We're only here for a while. We're going to heaven. So these two witnesses come and they preach. Halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist kills them. And the people are so glad to see them gone, they leave their bodies lay out in Jerusalem on the sidewalk for three days. And they send gifts to one another. <coughs> and, and, and cards saying, I'm glad they're dead cards. And then, at the end of three days, there's a voice that says, come up hither. And they are resurrected. And up they go. And then, boy, do things turn loose, that second half. So these saints that are under the altar, and under the altar doesn't mean they're, they're like crawled underneath. They're just, they're just standing here on the floor and I'm up higher. That, that would be like under the altar. And so they're standing before God and they say, Lord, we have been abused. We have been, and God says, basically, I know. I'm going to judge them. Be patient. Wait upon the Lord. I am bringing judgment upon these people. What you sow, you do reap. Sometimes you don't reap for a while. You don't reap as quickly as you think you ought to. But God is in heaven, and God will judge. Then you get to the sixth seal. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. There are three earthquakes mentioned in Revelation. This is the first. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. <clears throat> and the heavens departed as a scroll when it's rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men, every bondman and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? A great earthquake. Every island moved out of their place. What would happen if the islands of Hawaii sank and the mountains were moved and the topography had changed? People are crying in fear. Now you've got a one world church where everybody gathers together and worships uh, whoever it is that's in charge of this, and everybody feels real good because they're conforming. But when this happens, they know God's on the throne. These two men have preached, and their message has been heard and rejected by a lot of people, but in their heart, they know it's true. The other day we were at a store, and the, the young man that was putting our bags in, in the sacks, putting our groceries in the sacks, Name was Matthew. I saw your name is Matthew. I said, have you ever read the book of Matthew in the Bible? He says, I'm not religious at all. I said, well, you should read the book of Matthew. It's, it's written for you. And the cashier said, uh, I know what you're talking about. And I, and I told him, I got saved, and I went through my testimony a little bit. 
But in that day, everyone will know God is doing this, and I've been playing games, and it's not working. It ends with a question, who will be able to stand? Who can stand? Hmm. There's an answer to that. It's not found in Revelation, but it's an answer. <coughs> the answer is those who kneel now can stand then. You have to recognize your need to get saved. A lot of folks think, they're, uh, a guy told me once, if God get grades on the curve, I got a good chance of going to heaven. He doesn't grade on the curve. He grades on the absolute. You have to be perfect to get to heaven. Am I perfect? No, but my Savior is. And when I received him as my Savior, God gave me his righteousness. I'm officially righteous before God. I have a home in heaven reserved for me. You have to humble yourself to receive the Lord as your Savior. I was 11 years old when I got saved. I'd never been to church much. I knew the Easter stories and the Christmas stories. And the guy preached on, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I'd never had to memorize that verse. It was just imprinted on my heart that evening. And remember, he gave the invitation. And during the invitation, I thought, well, I believe in the Easter stories and the Christmas stories. I believe them. So I'm a believer. And the Lord showed me there was a difference between knowing about it and receiving Christ. I mean, that's the, that's the easiest I could explain it. I just realized I'd never received the Lord. And so that, that evening, I believed. I received Christ as my Savior. And it's been a glory walk with the Lord. Those who kneel now. Now there are some, that, in fact, the, 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 it's been 2,000 years since the Lord was here. If a child is born today, and there's a person alive today who's 100 years old, and I'm sure there is. You go back to when that person was born 100 years ago, there was probably a person who was 100 years old back then. And you keep following that back. There's only been 20 of those since Jesus was here. We think 2,000 years is a long time. Except the book of 1 Peter says 1,000 years is like a day, and a day is like 1,000 years to the Lord. In fact, the Lord knows how it's going to turn out. <clears throat> so much so, he took John forward in time and showed him things that were happening, even though they haven't happened yet. I don't know how he did that. I'm not in charge of it, so I don't have to. He showed him things that were happening. He wrote the whole book of Revelation when, when most of that's still future. Hmm. For those who got saved, for those who kneel in service. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And this is that fellowship that you have with the Lord. <clears throat> to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, I got saved in 1959. And back then, we would have revivals every year, usually a two-week revival. The guy would come and preach every night for two weeks. I thought it was great. Then by the time I got to be a pastor, which is uh, what, uh, 11, 12 years later, we have one-week revivals. 
sometimes Sunday to Sunday, but sometimes Monday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday, we'd have a week revival. And I'm not sure how evangelists do today, because you don't find many revivals. People are too busy, and generally busy. And, and sometimes they, you know, they think they've almost done God a favor by showing up to church. And they, <clears throat> and, and I am guilty of this sometimes, that I can sit through a service and sing all the songs. And boy, this church has a lot of ups and downs. Every time you say, stand up, and sit down, stand up. And I can do all that. And I couldn't tell you what those songs meant. And the songs are supposed to be part of our worship. As we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's supposed to be from our heart, expressing. That's how we worship. Part of, part of worship is singing. There's a guy named John Steinbeck, who's an author of past years, said something very interesting. We now face the danger, which in the past has been the most destructive to humans. Success. Plenty comfort, and ever-increasing leisure. No dynamic people have ever survived these dangers. That's staggering to hear. And then as I was thinking of this, I was reading in Mark <coughs> the, the parable of the seed and the sower, and Jesus said there was some seed that fell on the ground that grew up, but it got choked and didn't bear fruit. Mark 4.19, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I like prosperity. I like things to go well. When I turn the key, I like the, autumn, the, the car to start. And for us to get somewhere and get back, I like good food and you know, all, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy being pampered. Uh, I enjoyed having a good wife, and I just, I just enjoy life. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things can choke the word. We can get more upset that our cars broke down than if we don't have church. 1 Corinthians 3 said, I speak of the suffering of loss or being rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Who shall be able to stand those who serve now. So the time that this is coming, these seals are going to be broken and these things will happen. But the day will come right now when we're in preparation <coughs> that we should witness to the people that we can. You can tell people that you're saved. It's okay. Well, they're at the grocery store. It's all right. You can still witness you can still say, well, praise the Lord. A preacher walked into my dad's dry cleaning plant in 1959 and said, Charlie, I want to pay my bill, so I'll be ready to meet the Lord. Preacher didn't know, but God had been working in dad's heart. They said to, to my mother, we ought to start going back to church. And the preacher came in and, and mentioned to be ready to meet the Lord. And dad said, well, how can you know that you're ready to meet God? He came to the house that night, petition and received Christ as his Savior. And, and my parents got saved. Began to take us to church, and that's where I heard the gospel. My sister, my brother, and I, and we got saved. And God did all that. God was at work, and the pastor stepped in, and God used him. God can use you. 
to hand out a gospel tract, just to talk about the Lord. And when people talk about this strange virus, you, you can rejoice in your salvation. You say, well, at least I'm glad I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. You can say that. What, 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 what if somebody has a lot of money? What if it's a policeman? What if it's a politician? Hmm. They need to get saved too. And so you can be a testimony of your Lord and you don't know to whom God is speaking. You don't know the people that are hungering and thirsting as the Spirit of God woos them. I, I love stories. I love to tell stories. I'll tell you one and I'll quit. <clears throat> I'm about 17 years old. I'm working at a filling station in Knightstown, Indiana. And a guy pulls up and he, I'm the kid. I'm about 17. So he said, check, check the air in my tires. Okay, so he pulls over and I'm you know, checking the air with his little machine and puts some air in the tires. Well, he's talking to my boss named Jack. And he said, hey, Jack, you remember those, those two stewardess that um, my, my friend and I used to date? He goes, yeah, I remember. And I said, well, you know, we, all, we married our girls and they moved to California. Well, just the other day, we, my wife and I went to California to visit them. Jack, you'll never guess. They said they got saved and they want us to get saved. And he laughed, ha, ha, ha. And my boss laughed, ha, ha, ha. <clears throat> I'm right at his feet, putting air in a tire. And I look up and said, they got saved. That's great. I'm saved. If I had been a snake, he wouldn't have jumped any farther. Well, he backed up and looked down at me. Here, this kid that he didn't know and didn't want to know, this no-name, nothing kid, bore testimony to the saving grace of God. I never saw, I didn't know his name. I never saw him again. I don't know anything more about him. But I had a chance to witness one little phrase about salvation. And because he was under conviction and the spirit of God was, was having his lunch in this guy's soul. He was trying to get rid of conviction. And this kid bore witness to the saving power of God. And it all came back. Someday when I get to heaven, he may come up to me and say, thank you for your testimony. And I hope he does get saved. But if he's in hell, he'll remember all that time that Jesus Christ is real. Because when we speak a word for the Lord, when we give a testimony for the Lord, the Spirit of God is there and touches people's hearts. When I talked to Matthew the other day, and he said, I'm not religious at all. There was a, there was a push from Matthew. There was a, maybe a little fear, a little bit of anger that I would bring that up. You know why? Because the Spirit of God touched his heart. And he pushed against it. Saul of Tarsus would not have been a nice guy to be around until he got saved. Jesus said, Paul, isn't it hard for you to kick against the bricks? And so this revelation, these six things will happen and we'll be in heaven with the Lord. But thank God for his goodness. Thank you for his grace that we have an opportunity to serve our Lord, to bear testimony, and to be a witness, to shine your light, and people will see it and come to Christ. If there's somebody here who's not saved, would you humble yourself today? Would you make that decision to receive the Lord? If there's a Christian who, who has not been walking close to your Lord, would you pray even now and confess your sins? Whether you come forward or not is not my point. When you walk out the door, I would like you to walk out right with God and living for the Lord. 
That's my point. Because this is going to happen, and we need to be ready. Lord, I pray your blessing. I pray, Lord, that you would help. Lord, direct in hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.